This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 12, episode 18. This is Writing Excuses, gendered dialect with J.R. Johansson. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Howard. I'm Mary. I'm Susan. And I'm Dan. And we are joined by special guest J.R., who I know as Jen Johansson. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're also joined by a different special guest. We are guest. also joined by our guest host, who will be with us uh, twice more through season 12, Susan Chang. Susan, Hi. tell us about yourself. Okay, um, I'm Susan Chang, and I am a senior editor at Tor Books, where I um, work on the Starscape Middle Grade and uh, Tor Teen Young Adult Books. And I'm happy to be here. Today we are talking about gendered dialogue, and I am super excited to only have two male voices on the podcast because I don't know very much about this. Mary, save me. <laughs> well, actually, I'm going to turn this over to, uh, to JR since she pitched it. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about beforehand was uh, the gender-lect theory. So why don't you explain that to the audience, and then we can use that as our jumping-off place. Okay, so the gender-lect theory is, is a theory by Deborah Tannen, and it, it really talks about, like, that everything about the way that men and women communicate uh, boils down to the motivations behind what they're seeking from communication. Um, now, I'll, I'll preface this by saying this is incredibly generalized, obviously. Like, anytime you're talking about an entire gender, it's not going to apply to everyone. But it does kind of have an overall uh, insight into the way that people communicate with each other, <clears throat> which I think is really useful in writing. Um, so women, in general, seek connection, and men seek status. Um, it, it influences, like, the style of communication. Uh, it influences the language that we use. Um, so for just a basic example, they say that uh, women use rapport talk or, and men use report talk. So, like, rapport, you know, obviously you're trying to, like, create a, um, create a, a bond and uh, find a way of connecting with people. Uh, so, for example, if a woman joins a group of women, often the first thing anyone says to her is a compliment. Like, that is very, very common. Uh, with men, the first thing, like if a man is wearing, let's say, a sports jersey, a man might first, first thing razz on that team, like kind of establishing a little bit of a dominance. And they use joking, um, like cr criticism or joking uh, insults as, as a way of, of communicating, which also establishes, like, who's in charge and somebody is taking control of this conversation in this group. This explains so much about the way, the reason that I, I tease <laughs> Howard all the time because I'm establishing dominance over him and speaking to him <laughs> as a man. That's also the reason yep. I pee on Howard sometimes. <laughs> this is going to go so poorly for me. So... So one of the things that, that I, I think is really fascinating about this is that it, this is certainly behavior that I have seen, but I, it's interesting, particularly as a science fiction and fantasy author, how much of this is due to being socialized into that, that form of behavior, uh, dialogue. So I'm going to use an example, which is actually a regional variation, mm -hmm. um, but, it, it, uh, but I've been told that it's also... That, that this also represents some, some feminine stuff, too. Um, 
when I'm talking to my husband, so I am from the South. My husband is from Hawaii. Theoretically, we're both from the United States, but we're approaching things very differently. If I'm asking for something, I am very likely to say, can you get the box, or not, can you get the box down from the, the counter? I'm, I'll be much more likely to say the shelf is too high. And he hears that as being passive aggressive, whereas I hear it as I'm trying to not put you in a position of needing to say no. And when he says, can you get the box down? I'm like, OMG, this must be really urgent. <laughs> you know, this is, it, it, this is fascinating <laughs> because uh, um, the exceptions are, to me, every bit as interesting as the rule. Uh, my son, I, I've got a 19-year-old son who's uh, high-functioning autistic, and he does not like being asked, you know, he's not like being told, hey, you know, today's your dish day. Which, yeah. You know, as a reminder, he likes being told, son, I need you to do your dishes now because that is very explicit. And now he knows what needs to be done. Uh, whereas with, uh, with the other kids in the house, they like just having the reminder. They don't like having dad tell them what they must do. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, I was going to say about this is, and, and this is, again, the exception, um, the difference between Rob and I is the way we were socialized, mm. uh, which is, is one of the things that when we're looking at this gendered language, I think that we're looking a little bit at the way people are socialized and, and also that there's this big spectrum of how people actually engage with that. Absolutely. I think, it's, I think it's very much about how you're socialized. Like, I think that's probably the core of all of it. And I think that it's really interesting because when it, I mean, it, it, you see it everywhere, it is one of the most common uh, forces of conflict in any relationship, uh, specifically men and women relationships, um, is that a man, when communicating, is goal-oriented, which goes down to seeking status again. And a woman is more uh, focused on the connections. And so, like, you often hear women who are, like, talking to their husbands or their significant others, and they're like, this is, um, this is what happened to me today. And they're looking for an emotional connection. They're looking for empathy. They're looking for somebody to sympathize with what they've been through. And the men are like, I want to solve this problem for you. Let me fix it. And you see that a lot. Oh, and they'll interrupt in order to do that. <laughs> that does happen sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And you definitely see this in the professional world. And I think that's the reason why, um, one of the reasons why there's so many more um, men on the upper tiers. And um, I, I noticed that a lot of times women just apologize, like, I'm sorry, but can I say this? And it's all very sort of um, asking permission and um, being very polite. And I was just, not to be rude, just scrolling through my um, phone just now because this morning I had read this amazing, I had actually just skimmed it, so I'm just going to vaguely like see if anybody recognizes. There is an article on BuzzFeed or something, like at, or HuffPost, some, one of those, which I couldn't find, but it was about women being so polite that they get killed. And it was because of my favorite, it was a, a discussion of my favorite murder, which is a podcast in which um, women talk about uh, their favorite murders. There are two ladies. And um, I haven't heard it myself, but a colleague is a big fan and she was telling me about it. But basically their, their point is that um, if you're ever don't, don't be polite enough where somebody could murder you. <laughs> so, um, I highly that recommend. A good rule of Actually sounds uh, like fantastic life advice. Um, yeah. Part of what we, uh, I say part of, the whole point of having this sort of discussion here on Writing Excuses is that when we have our characters speak with each other, 
We want them to sound genuine. We want them to sound like they would really sound. And we want the way they talk to communicate their story to us without us having to say, you know, where they were raised or what their background is. We want that to be innate. How do we make that happen with this gendered dialect? I, I think that, you know, you, you want them to be authentic. You also want them to stand out. Um, I think it's important. You can, you can make, if you want to make a very charismatic character, um, one of the best ways to do that is to have them, ver- some people, and we all probably know one, um, when they enter a group, they're automatically able to immediately sense the dynamics of that group and, and match it. They conform to that group, and they communicate in a way that fits with that group. Those are the people that, like, you hear the first thing people say about them is, I love that guy. He's so cool. Like, he's great. And it's because, and he'll be different sometimes in different groups, but it just is the way that they learn to conform. So I think it's important to use that in a way to fit your character. I think another way is you can easily make an outcast by someone who doesn't conform to the, the norms of the group that he's associating with or she is associating with. It's that kind of the way that they use that interaction and play against or with can really tell you a lot about your characters. Jen, oh, go ahead. Um, I was just going to listen to me. Um, I am going to share with you. <laughs> did you hear the thing that I did? I was just going to. Um, there's a plug-in for Gmail called Just Not Sorry which goes through and flags <laughs> things for you that are equivocating statements that are things that women tend to do. Like, I think that this might be a thing that you might be interested in instead of this plugin is useful. Um, so I, I'm going to say that one of the things as, a, as an exercise that you might try is to take some of your character dialogue and throw it into this plug-in to see if it's coming up as, you know, see what it flags. It's like, oh, yeah, look at, look at all of mm-hmm. the equivocating I'm doing. And if it's, and this is not to say that all of your women need to be equivocating. Um, in fact, this is something that we try to train out of ourselves. But if you have a character who is stereotypically feminine, who is fitting into that feminine mode, recognize that they are going to want to, to equivocate a little bit more. Um, just as a, 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 an example, in the Regency, um, women didn't drink red wine. And, and uh, all of the research that I read was written by men um, that said that, that it was because it was considered too strong for them. And the first time I put on one of the little white Regency dresses, I was like, oh, no, 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 that is not why. <laughs> <laughs> You're not drinking red wine. That is not at all why. But I can Im- easily imagine a woman in the Regency going, oh, no, that's too strong for me, rather than get that away from my dress. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, We'll link to uh, Just Not Sorry in the liner notes. The other thing we're going to link to... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? 
outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In the liner notes is the book of the week. Jen, I think you've got one of those for us. I do. Uh, it's my most recent book. It comes out, it came out in October. Uh, it's called The Row. And it is a YA contemporary Mystery, I guess I would say. It's a mystery thriller. Um, and it's about a girl whose dad is on death row in Texas. He has been for the last 11 years, most of her life. And he was convicted of uh, killing three women. He's an infamous serial killer in, in Texas. And he's always claimed his innocence. Um, at the beginning of the book, he loses his final appeal and is scheduled to be executed in 28 days. And she wants to find the truth before that happens. That sounds awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I have a question. That I want to ask. So here we go. Um, When I was working on Blue Screen, uh, which has a female protagonist and a a whole group of female friends are the main characters, I had my assistant read through it. And one of the things that she flagged back to me was that the characters were not self-deprecating enough. And one of the things that Jen mentioned at the beginning is that men tend to razz razz each other. And what my assistant pointed out to me is that women have a strong tendency to razz themselves. And I have been watching how my wife talks, how my daughter talks when she's in a group of all her friends, and they do. There's, an, there's a lot of, oh, well, I'm, I'm terrible at that, and a lot of self-deprecation. That is hard for me to write. Actually, didn't Amy Schumer have a sketch in her first season that was totally that, where a group of women meet up um, in Manhattan for lunch, and they're all dressed to the nines, and they're like, oh, my God, I look so fat today, and like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you're so great, like, my head's going to fall off, and just like the most random, like, violent <laughs> things, and just really, not even self-deprecating, but that was just kind of getting that point across that you kind of always have to, I don't know why this is, it's definitely been internalized, and I find myself doing it. Yeah, but- I- I think that we're we're trained to appear humble, mm-hmm. and and that one of the ways we do that is to to to, to deny the, the things that we know that we're good at, um, and the other is fishing for compliments to reinforce the self esteem that has been mm-hmm. kind of beaten out of us. Well, and it plays into the group dynamic too. Yeah. It, it allows other people to come in and compliment you, which is which is really the way that women communicate. It's, it's, like, it's like I leave an opening and you come in and then we are friends. You know, it's, way, it's a... Yeah. I really like the way your nail polish goes with your oh. shirt. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. 
I love I the way you guys are steering <laughs> this podcast without any help from me. <laughs> I am adoring that. Well, and so, so I guess to follow up and actually ask a question, and maybe this is a stupid question, um, what kinds of advice can we give for people who, for whom a particular mode of communication is incredibly unfamiliar or uncomfortable? Like, how, how can I write as a man, a bunch of women bagging on themselves, how can a woman more easily write a bunch of men telling each other how awful they are? Uh, read, I, I would say one thing that you can do is, is read, uh, for, for learning how to write women, is to actually read romance, uh, since that is written by women for women predominantly. Um, reading women's magazines or, or interviews, also useful. Likewise, for women, reading uh, honestly, Reading uh, some some things, I, I learned a lot when I was doing a research for a, a puppet thing, and had to read a um, an urban survivalist magazine, which Ooh. was and although there were there were advertisements in there for pink guns, most of the stuff was targeted at guys, and the the quality of language was very different than the things that are appearing in women's magazines. Um, you know the the and. Even when we're talking about guns, there's a Southern magazine, Guns and Gardens, um, <laughs> which is the language, and it is very different, even though it's dealing with a lot of the same topics. Uh, so that's one thing that I think you can do. The other thing is, you know, ask someone to read it and flag stuff that seems wrong to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually had a similar experience to you, Dan. I, my first book, uh, Insomnia, the first series, is all a uh, male point of view, and I wrote it and then I gave it to a friend's husband who read it and came back to me and he was like, so does the, does the best friend like sidekick character, does he, is he have like, is he in love with the main character? And I was like, no, no, that's, that wasn't what I was going for. And he was like, well, he, he definitely needs to compliment him less than like, he's, he's very, (laughs) very complimentary. He seems very focused on making sure that he knows how much he likes him. <laughs> and so I had to learn to go through and, like, he was like, he should be insulting him much more. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I had to learn to go through and kind of work, work on that. And I think it is hard. And I think, I think we should all try. Like, try and write a character from their point of view that is not your gender. And it's, it's, it's challenging. It, it is hard. But I do think as a woman, I've read women who are too self-deprecating. Like Certainly. it gets annoying uh, if if they're if that's all they're focused on. It's hard for me to think very well of them when they're constantly telling me all the things that are terrible about themselves. So I think there's a very fine line to walk. And and I think that yeah, your recommendations for reading, for reading writing that is geared toward written by and for that gender can be very helpful. I found that, uh, and this is just a good life skill. Um, spend more time listening than you spend talking. And I don't mean spend more time not talking than you spend talking. Actually listen. Listen to the conversation that you are sitting as part of. Uh, Go someplace, you know, coffee shop or wherever, and listen to the conversations around you. Not that you're eavesdropping, that you are trying to... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not that I'm trying to gather secrets about you. I'm trying to gather secrets about your... The way you talk. That yeah. was, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and but be listen, careful if you write YA show. and you want to know how teen girls talk to each other and you're an adult <laughs> male... 
don't tell this joke. Don't. That's, this is not going to go to a good place. gave this advice on a panel last year. Like, go hang out around teenage girls. No. Don't go hang out around teenage girls. Okay. We are out of time. Uh, Susan, do you have a writing prompt for us? Um, uh, I no, actually, Jen has Jen, the writing prompt yes. for you. I do. I have a writing prompt I'm for so you. I'm so sorry, I don't. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> I've got you covered. Okay. No. Um, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> so I think it's very frequently when you see a matriarchy uh, represented in fantasy, sci-fi, uh, any, any of those type situations, it's really just a patriarchy with women uh, in all of the roles. Uh, I, so write a scene with a matriarchy that has them communicating and dealing with each other in in a little more of a, of a female fashion and uh, see, see how that goes. Outstanding. Fair listener, this has been Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.